Well, Noah Whittington is done for the year, and that really, really sucks because he's an awesome player. Luckily, I think Oregon's got the depth to be all right. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. If you have not already, like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show. The numbers continue to be absolutely awesome. Over 3,700 subs on YouTube, thousands more on podcasts. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. Noah Whittington reportedly done for the year, and gosh almighty, it, you, you just always feel for a guy in this spot. Like, you work all offseason the same way we wait all offseason. These guys are working 10 times, maybe 50 times as hard to get ready to play. And, you know, Whittington, of course, has been awesome this year. And now Oregon has to go forward without the guy who was uh, their number two running back coming into the season. The good news for Oregon amidst this uh, bad piece of news is that I look at their running back room and I said coming into the year, and I still feel this way, that it is the deepest position group that Oregon's got offensively if you're talking about caliber of talent. Like actual number of guys who can play is probably at wide receiver, but that's because you need more guys who can play there because you have more on the field at, at any given point in time. So Bucky Irving, of course, is going to be the number one back going forward. He was uh, already for the most part, and I think he'll get an even greater share of the carries. And Jordan James is going to continue to be the number two back as he was this past week and looked really good doing it. Had six carries for 88 yards and a score. Now, Jordan James' stats this year are 34 carries, 297 yards, and he leads the team with seven touchdowns and... He's best on the Ducks with uh, 8.7 yards per carry, which is a pretty astonishing number at uh, at this point in time. And all three, Noah, Jordan, and Bucky, had out, have, have outstanding yards per carry averages. They're all over seven yards a carry, which is uh, really, really impressive. Now, the question here for the Ducks is not whether or not we think Jordan James can fill into Noah Whittington's role. He is capable of doing that. We have seen it. The question is what do you do offensively because you've been running, if you're Carlos Lachlan and offense coordinator Will Stein, everybody else on staff, you've been running three backs for the most part. Last week, it really got whittled down to two. I suspect it is going to be primarily a two-headed monster, Bucky Irving, Jordan James. And this is why you recruit. This is why you portal. This is why you need depth right here, right now. This is when recruiting rankings can matter. You can lose a guy of Noah's caliber, who I think is one of the 10 best running backs. Heck, maybe one of the five best running backs. That's a tough list to crack, but still, I think Noah's capable of doing that in the entire conference and, and still feel like Oregon is able to run the football. So Bucky's still there. Jordan James has been fantastic this year. James is going to have to fill an even larger role. But the guy who's really appeared to be the number four back after those top three this season has been Jaden Lamar. And the other guy who's there is Dante Dowdell. And those guys are both true freshmen who have almost exclusively played in mop-up time this year, but have looked pretty darn good in doing so. So Lamar this season, 13 carries, 67 yards, a touchdown. That's 5.2 yards a touch. And Dante Dowdell, 12 carries, 64 yards and a touchdown. 
that's 5.1 yards a, a carry. So both those guys statistically have been kind of the same. I think Lamar's the better pass catcher of the two. So I'd suspect he is going to be higher on the depth chart because when you look at Oregon's number three running back or the guy that they just lost in Noah Whittington, good pass catcher, often involved. And maybe they want you know to involve a guy in that sense. I, I think you could see a few snaps between the true freshmen, whoever they feel is is more prepared for a given situation in a game like Washington. But but I mean, overall, I think what they're going to do is just consolidate. I think that's the most likely option. I think that's probably the best option. You know, not that uh, guys can't play as true freshmen. Jordan James did a, a season ago. He was there in one capacity, though, and that was to be a short yardage guy. And that and that's not the role that Noah Whittington was filling. So when you're talking about you know, the touches he was getting, it was almost exclusively between the 20s for Noah Whittington. Those are the sorts of touches I think you want to have guys who, you know, are as experienced as they can be unless they're otherworldly talents. And I think Dowdell and Lamar can be a really, really good backfield tandem for, for the Ducks one day. I think putting them on the spot and asking them to be really good right now and, you know, continue a three-back rotation, I, I don't think that's really logical for, for the Ducks. So I, I think it'll be, you know, primarily Bucky and Jordan James going forward. And then maybe Lamar or Dowdell gets a touch or two here and there. Uh, I thought coming into the year, maybe Dowdell and James would be part of a goal line package. Maybe they go back to that. Maybe they feel Jaden Lamar is ready. I don't know. But um, I, I think, you know, biggest takeaway here is uh, it sucks for Noah. And number two takeaway is I, I think that Bucky Irving and Jordan James still give you one of the most prolific running back tandems uh, in the entire conference. So let's move on to another player. We got a lot of things to get to on this uh, Thursday show. Who said it was a bye week? It's a work week for the Ducks. We're still working here on the show. Appreciate everybody. So uh, Chris Hudson has not played a lot this year and recorded his first catch of the season, in fact, against Stanford uh, late in the game from Ty Thompson. Nice throw from Ty, who uh, has some impressive numbers when you look at it this year. Limited action, sure, mop-up time, but that's what he played in before. Didn't look as good as he has this season, so uh, that's been a good thing to see. He definitely, barring an injury to Bo Nix, will uh, not be playing against the Huskies. So we definitely don't want to see Bonex uh, against Washington next week. But Chris Hudson is a guy who has uh, just fallen down the depth chart. And it is just major Byron Cardwell vibes. You know, it, it's the same staff. It's the same kind of situation. And I think eventually it'll be the same outcome. Now, uh, Zach Neal over at Ducks Wire, who I've had on the show before and does an awesome job, he, uh, he wrote... Uh, something interesting about how Chris Hudson kind of has a decision to make. And I think there are two paths that Chris Hudson uh, can can take here. So he's played in three games this year, right? The redshirt requirement of playing four games or fewer and redshirting to get another year of eligibility, that, that doesn't account for recording a stat. If you step onto the field, you have played in a game and that counts towards burning your redshirt. So he's appeared in three games this year, but he played just two snaps uh, against Stanford. And if he he could play in one more, he could redshirt, transfer at the end of the year. That's what Byron Cardwell did. Seven McGee is another precedent example here where Seven was not playing as much as he perhaps wanted to, wasn't having the success I thought he was capable of, particularly in the return game. And, you know, he wasn't someone recruited by the staff. Neither was Chris Hudson. 
and Hudson was really good for the Ducks last year, but they brought in Tez Johnson and Gary Bryant basically at Hudson's position this offseason. Seven McGee, you know, announced he was putting his name in the portal in the middle of the year. Micah Pittman did the same thing in, in 2021. So that's one option that we could see here for Chris Hudson. But there's a second one. And and don't sleep on this because he played last week. And if you were playing a red shirt, well, why would you play? I mean, maybe you felt like that was your last chance, uh, you know, until a Cal or Arizona State game, perhaps, to get on the field. I don't know. I, I don't know. But that's one option. You know, the Seven McGee, Micah Pittman route. There's also Max Duggan. Remember Max Duggan, the quarterback at TCU? So he was once upon a time the quarterback at TCU, which is, of course, a more important position than wide receiver. And then they brought in Chandler Morris from Oklahoma. And Chandler Morris, before last season, I don't know how, but he was, the starter for the Horned Frogs. He gets injured against Colorado, Duggan comes in, yada, 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 Cinderella run to the national championship game. Duggan stuck it out, and that's part of what made it a great story. Is he was there, he was a player, he was a starter, a transfer came in, bumped him down the depth chart, he wrote it out, bet on himself, got an opportunity, made the most of it. I don't know which way Chris Hudson is leaning. I don't know what's going to happen there for certain. I just know that those are the two most likely paths here because clearly he's someone who has been bypassed on the depth chart and he's a talented guy, as we know, and, and could certainly you know find minutes elsewhere fascinated to see what happens there. Bo Nix, can he get even better? It's kind of hard, but it's, you know, worthy of discussion. eBay Motors always worthy of discussion cuz passion, drive and patience, the same things that bring home a winning trophies also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, mine's the Red Rocket sitting right out there in the garage, which is actually that way. I pointed to the driveway because I used to have to park it out there. Not anymore. You'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die live at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply ebay guaranteed fit only available to u.s customers second segment sips always available to this u.s customer that's me so let's talk about bonex let's talk about bonex and just a quick tip it tidbit before we do that. Kyrie Jackson got injured against Stanford. He's been Oregon's best corner this year. Need him against Washington. Back at practice on Wednesday. Very good sign. So, Bo Nix this year has been absolutely awesome. Again. And I mentioned this last week. I want to continue to bring it up so that we don't ever, literally ever, take him for granted. Because this is a guy who came in and we didn't really know what to expect. And um, I, I, I just look at him and continue to be impressed. And he continues to play at a high level week after week after week. If we need him to throw more, he throws more. If we need him to run a little, he runs a little. If we need him to do less, he can do less. Guy wants to win football games. 
and he's an outstanding leader. So this question came in. Mailbag is always open. YouTube comments or Twitter. Hit me up at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks. If you want priority mailbag access and you want to converse with me one-on-one more easily and get all the detailed thoughts I ever have beyond what I say here on the show, go join the Locked on Ducks subtext community. Link in the description below wherever you listen to or watch this show. This from Ram Spencer 5492 Do you think Bo will get more accurate and confident again this season with longer throws? It's something that seemed really uh, more freed up in the middle of last season, and it made the offense feel a little more explosive to me. Right now, the offense seems very, very methodical and effective against the competition they have played, but they haven't competed against any fine-tuned, fast, complete, methodical defenses yet this season, except perhaps practice. Good point. Uh, I could see their offense potentially stuttering against a great defense. Uh, I, don't, I don't know about stuttering because I, I watched Oregon go up against good teams last year and and be able to score. It, you know, the defense had some letdowns, but like Washington and Oregon State, those were good teams with solid defenses. And Oregon put up 34 points in both games. Like they, they, they know how to score. And I think they can score with anybody in the Pac-12 and their balance is a big part of that. So the question is centered around, and there's another one about Bo Nix I'll get to later. Whether or not Bo can be an even better version of himself. His numbers this year are somehow better than last year. <laughs> like, he's completing 80.4% of his passes. That's insane. 292 yards a game, 15 touchdowns, and one pick. And he's also not being sacked because he's making the right reads, getting the ball out on time, getting us into the right protections. Like, he's doing everything well. You ask about the deep balls. I I don't think that Oregon has another gear offensively with regards to chucking it deep. You know, Bo Nix is capable of throwing a good deep ball. We saw the long touchdown to Tez Johnson against Hawaii, saw a long one to Troy Franklin this past weekend, had a long one to Troy Franklin against Texas Tech. I think that was probably his best uh, deep ball throw of the year. He did overthrow Tez Johnson uh, against Stanford, and he's missed, I think, you know, like the downfield shot against Colorado that ended up intercepted. You, you, you're being picky, right? I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on you, right? I'm not Pat Mack if you talk about Washington State here, but you being, I think, picky looking at those individual throws, and it's just kind of putting into perspective how good he has been that you can look at a couple throws and say, man, he missed those. Well, yeah, you're not going to complete 100% of your passes, it turns out. Michael Penix, I think, throws the best deep ball in the entire country. I've seen him overthrow receivers before. He doesn't con- connect on every deep shot. He's got a better deep ball than Bo Nix, and he certainly hits a lot of them. But there are things that Bo Nix does better than Michael Penix. I think Bo moves better. I think he throws better on the run. And I think that he's got a little bit better touch on the check down. But Penix, you know, going down the field, like pushing the ball vertically, yeah, I think I, I think that's advantage Michael Penix there. But I, I really look at Bo Nix this year and just continue to feel, man, we're so lucky to have this guy. We got to appreciate him, respect him uh, as long as we've got him because it's just going to be this season for him. Uh, his last in college football, and, you know, he looks like a veteran quarterback. He plays like a veteran quarterback, acts like a veteran quarterback. He does everything that you need to do to help a college football team win at a high level. Like Bo Nix playing like this, Oregon can win the national championship. Everything's got to go right. Everything's got to click. The rest of the team's got to play well. But if you have this level of quarterback play, that is all you need. You do not need more than this. I I mean, he's playing at such a high level and 
you know, I, I hear you on, you know, he's missed a couple of deep shots, but you're not going to hit 100% of those. No, nobody does, uh, and we, we shouldn't expect him to, to do that. A uh, question came in from Bailey via the uh, Twitter direct mentions. Uh, PFF had a mock draft. P- PFF had a, you know, kind of hypothetical mock draft that came out, and here's where it went. Caleb Williams, number one to the Bears. Marvin Harrison Jr., number two, again, to the Bears, which is a hilarious situation to be in, but the Bears, you know, are accumulating picks. Drake May, number three to the Raiders. Laitu Latu, the edge from UCLA to the Broncos. Latu's a beast. J.J. McCarthy, mm, going to the Vikings at five. Okay, uh, Offensive tackle from Penn State, Olu Fashanu to the Jets. Good pick. Uh, Joe Alts, the offensive tackle from Notre Dame to the Bengals. Again, good pick. Number nine, Brock Bowers to the Cardinals. Number 10, Keon Coleman to Florida State. Oh, did I skip over someone? Oh, yeah, that's right. Bo Nix, uh, number eight overall to the Patriots. Yeah, um, con- consider me skeptical. So I love Bo, of course. I think we all love Bo. And, and, and Bo is certainly capable of being an NFL quarterback. There, there's no doubt in my mind about that. I don't see him being a top 10 pick like Caleb Williams, Drake may, I don't see like JJ McCarthy at number five. No way. I am. I am not high on McCarthy's NFL prospects. I would take Bo Nix over JJ McCarthy, depending on what sort of offensive philosophy you're implementing. Penix might be a better pro prospect than Bo Nix because of the deep ball component. Like I said, now Bo doesn't have the injury history that Penix has, Bo's got a little bit more mobility. So again, it, it's give and take. I think Penix is a more refined thrower of the football. Nix is certainly looking that way so far this season. We'll see how the rest of the year goes, but he's been really, really good. And, and he can make every throw, right? Bo Nix can go near side, far side, deep, underneath, swing it out, you know, fit it into a tight window. Like he, he's got every throw in the bag. It's not the greatest arm. It's not a Caleb Williams arm, but he's he's got enough zip to play in the NFL. So I don't think he's a top 10 pick. I don't think he's that sort of guy. I'd be surprised if given the buzz Penix has been generating, leading the country in passing, if uh, he's taken ahead of him. I'd be really, really surprised at that. Uh, I think Bo Nix is probably a second or third round quarterback in uh, in the NFL, but I could definitely see him playing his way into being a first round pick. I think it it depends on how this season goes. But uh, when I saw that, um, Bo Nix at 10 to the Pats, I mean, sure, it'd be cool to reunite him with Gonzo, who, again, a bummer, is out for the year. Like, that's a major, major bummer because he had been awesome. Like, <laughs> Gonzo, oh, boy. I knew he was really, really good last year, and I knew he was a first-round corner. I didn't know he was going to go into the league and just shut down Tyreek Hill. I, I didn't didn't realize he had that in him. But when you go with the best defensive coach in the history of the sport, turns out that helps. But that sucks. His season is also over. Um, but no, Bo, Bo Nix, top 10, I, I think that's a stretch uh, right now. And I don't, I, I, I don't see that uh, happening. So uh, another mailbag question here. Love these coming in, especially during the bye week. Like you guys are making my life easier. I'm trying to make it as enjoyable as I can. This one, uh, to wrap up today's show from Mr. Marty McFly, a regular listener and every dare, you could say, who I very much uh, appreciate. Mailbag question. And then he says in parentheses, if you can fit it in. Answer, I can fit it in. 
Which team benefits most from the bye week going into the Washington game? Appreciate you. Go Ducks. Just as a quick note, my guy, um, bye week is B-Y-E and then week, not B-I and then week. I'm kind of a grammar shark, so I had to throw that out there. Um, <laughs> anyway, so so it is a unique situation. And the Pac-12 has set this up in, in a couple different matchups this year. So like Washington State and UCLA this week, for instance, are coming off a bye. They play this week. And I haven't remembered seeing that as much in the past. Coming off a bye has often been um, a benefit to one team or the other. I don't mind two teams going into a bye week and then coming out and playing each other because it negates that advantage. But, you know, you're going to have that advantage once a year and uh, have a disadvantage if another team's doing it uh, another time of year. So, I mean, it, I, I don't think it matters a ton at the end of the day. But uh, the question about whether or not one team benefits more, I think going into, you know, today, this being Wednesday when I'm recording the show, I would have said Oregon because, well, you know, it gives uh, it gives Bo Nix time to to heal up and get healthy, you know. Or not Bo Nix, Noah Whittington. Well, unfortunately, that means he's done for the year. Now, Washington's had some guys uh, that, that have been banged up a little bit for sure, but everybody is right now. So uh, my, my answer to the question is it doesn't benefit one team or the other because the major players in this game, not that Whittington isn't a, a really good player, but if I were to list my you know five most important players for the Ducks in this game, Whittington would make the top 10. I don't think he'd make the top five. So I don't think that the Ducks are going to, you know, get anybody. I like Kyrie Jackson being healthy. That's really good. But I've, you know, seen some stuff throughout the week about how Washington's, uh, you know, got a couple guys that are dinged up here and there or anything like that. But, it, you know, both coaching staffs are going to have ample opportunity to to watch film and do scouting. Uh, and, you know, both teams are going to have an opportunity to rest up and you know, fuel the energy of this rivalry as much as they can. Both teams are going to be able to be as healthy as possible. And Oregon, you know, without Whittington, certainly needs to be. Um, but I think Kyrie Jackson, I, I think I'd argue, was going to be a more important player in this game than, than Whittington because of what Oregon has at the running back position. I've loved Oregon's corners this year, sung their praises, and justifiably so. They've been really, really good. But if you ask me, you know, who do I trust more? Well, I'd say... Uh, I, I'd say the running back depth over the cornerback depth, you know, given the changes that the staff felt they need to make this year. I, I mean, Triquez Bridges is, is kind of in that Chris Hudson role. Like he's been a good player for the Ducks the last couple of years, and he's just getting pushed down the depth chart. He he just is. He's like the number five corner in in total snaps this year. It's Jackson uh, and then Florence and Nico Reed and Dante Manning uh, and and then. TriQuest Bridges. So, you know, it's just kind of the way things go sometimes. It, it can be a tough, competitive, cutthroat kind of world out there trying to make a college football roster and then getting playing time. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I feel for those guys who work hard and, and who have just been, you know, pushed down, not necessarily through a fault of their own or anything they did that was wrong. I mean, I was really high on TriQuest coming into the year. And, I thought he'd be one of Oregon's starters, perhaps. He had a great, not good, a great second half. But it's hard to argue with the results. And that's what we have to care about most at, at the end of the day. And this is going to be the biggest test for Oregon's secondary, probably all season, given that they're on the road. You know, USC is the next biggest test, and that's going to be at home. Uh, Wazoo is a great passing attack. That's also at home. This is the best test for Oregon's defense, specifically the secondary this year. So, 
Uh, you know, I, I, I wish Noah Whittington was playing. I am really glad, though, that Kyrie Jackson is playing. Um, would love to see Whittington again this year, if possible, because I, I did like the running back trio. I think it kept those guys really fresh, and now you put the onus on Irving and uh, and James a bit more. So hopefully they're not going to get banged up. But, you know, going back to your question, I, I, I think that um, it, it benefits or doesn't benefit both teams equally. I don't think there's a, a distinct advantage here. Great question, though. Keep them coming. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and as always, go Ducks.